Amen. God is good, isn't he? Yes, all the time he's always good. He has a plan and a purpose for us. He is leading us, isn't he? Isn't God leading us? The enemy wants to make you think that God has, I've said this many times, but it will not be the last. I'll be an old man and I'll still be saying it. The enemy wants to make you feel like God has lost your number, that suddenly he doesn't love you anymore. Maybe you've done too much. You've gone too far. You haven't sought him enough, whatever. Just, you know, there's a separation. Listen, we do get separated from God, but the enemy wants to make you feel like there's a separation that you can't get back to, right? So if you feel a little far from the Lord, he is so close to us. I mean, the moment you even begin to think about calling on him, he's already there answering your prayer. You haven't even uttered the thought out. The moment it enters, just like conception, right? We believe as, as Christians that you, the person sitting here, were a child in your mother's womb, but we believe that the, the moment of conception, right, you were you. You didn't look like you yet, but you were you. And we, I think the same thing happens that literally the, the second, we're talking microseconds, right, that your mind even says, Lord, before you even get those words out, he's already answering your prayers. Praise God. So I want, just want you to be encouraged today. The Lord is with us, and he is so kind and merciful to us. But the enemy wants to, your eyes to be on all the weights and all the pressures and all the stuff of this earth constantly. It doesn't mean those things will go away. But he wants you to focus on those things so that we get our eyes off of Christ. And then all we really are aware of are those things, right? Amen. So let's put our eyes on him today. Sometimes Christianity, uh, it sounds too simple. But it really is that simple. Let's put our eyes on Christ. And you think, okay, okay, I've done this before. I've called on him before. My breakthrough hasn't come yet. I don't know why. I've done everything I can do. Put your eyes on him again today. That's the encouragement from the Lord. I didn't plan on saying any of those things, but that is a word from the Lord. I'm prophesying that out today. Put your eyes on him again. Amen? And so I want to get right into this message um, I'm going to ultimately get to the book of Hebrews, I think. But what's funny is, is that I, I want to prep us again, uh, because this is part two of Kingdom of Priests. Everybody say, we are a kingdom of priests. And I kept trying to fine-tune it down. I kept trying to cut it down, and I, every time I tried to cut down the book of Hebrews, I just couldn't do it because there was so much life, there's so much substance in there. He starts on like Hebrews chapter 3 and goes all the way through through chapter 13 of what I wanted to get into. But So I just want to preface us with, with this, though. Let's look at the book of Revelation. Here's where we're going to springboard from. The book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Jesus Christ, he is what? He is our Lord and Savior, yes, and he went to the cross for us. But he is also uh, the king of kings, right? He is the ruler, and he is uh, he shed his blood for us, but that what I want us to point here is, and it says it all there, he's the first rise from the dead, he's, he, he freed us, he shed his blood for us, but he is a king. Everybody say, Jesus is a king, and if he's a king, he has a kingdom, right? And he has welcomed us in to his kingdom, 
This is an amazing thing, which I'm really not even going to get, I can't even get into what that means today. I'm not even going to get into the kingdom. I just want to talk about being a priest again. But this is an incredible thing, that the kingdom of God, we're talking the kingdom of the universe. I mean, who likes watching movies about kingdoms? Anybody like watching them? And you like seeing the, the royalty and the kingdom? I mean, I don't like seeing the all the... Uh, all the junk that goes on, right? All the hypocrisy and all that stuff, right? But who loves seeing a, a righteous kingdom take down an, an unrighteous kingdom, okay? Amen. That's what is happening in the unseen. There is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. And so we have been welcomed into his kingdom. And uh, if you were to pick a side, I want to be on his side. Amen. There's one kingdom that's going to win, one kingdom that's going to rule forever and ever, and it's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, and Jesus is a king in that kingdom, and he has welcomed us in, verse 6, into that kingdom, that kingship with him, and it is a kingdom of priests. Everybody say, we are a kingdom of priests, and we serve God, right? Our Father, it's Christ's Father, and it's our Father. We are brothers. I know it's weird. We call we call the we call God so many different things. We call him Lord. We call him friend. We call him Savior. But you know that Jesus is actually your brother. I know it's weird. So we always call him Father, right? But we're talking about the Father. Jesus is the Son. You are actually a brother. I know we could get into that. There's many scriptures that say it. It's not that's not uh, what's the word? My mind's going blank because I'm thinking about too many things at once. It's not heresy. All right, that's the Bible. But you are a brother with Christ serving like he did. He served the Father. We serve the Father alongside Christ as fellow kings. Amen. This is incredible. And the Bible says that this is really a fulfillment of a promise and a prophecy. Did you know that Revelation was fulfilling a promise and prophecy all the way back if you wanted to, I always go to Genesis. I'm not going to do it today, but right, you, if you know me, if you listen to me for these years, you'll know I love pointing out Genesis. Why? Because God started it all then. Technically, that's where he really started it with Adam and Eve, calling them to rule and reign on this earth. Amen. But we're going to look at Exodus chapter 19, and this is just some review from last week, but I'm adding some extra nuance, hopefully, to it. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, says Moses, he climbs the mountain, he meets God, and in verse 5, it says that God said to him, now if you will obey me, if you'll keep my covenant, um, I'm going to make you a special treasure. You're going to be peoples of the earth. You're going to be separated. You're going to be, verse 6, a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And so the Lord actually promised and prophesied all the way back in Exodus, thousands of years in advance, what Revelation chapter 1 is talking about. And what happened in between? Why are we talking about it again in Revelation? Because people could never stick with God. He says it right there, obey me, keep my covenant. And what? If you can obey me, if you keep my covenant, I will do what? I will make you a kingdom of priests. So what's the disconnect? Why are we still talking about it? What could they never do? They were never able to obey, never able to keep his covenant. And so Jesus, and we're going to look at that in Hebrews uh, shortly, Jesus stepped in the gap, right? He filled in the gap. And here we are again, 
now in Revelation, springing us or, or pu pushing forward the last 2,000 years. It started there. He's saying it again and pushing into the time that we are in today. It has not changed. He did not prophesy and promise being a kingdom of priests only to Exodus. The reason I'm putting this out is it wasn't an Old Testament thing. Being a kingdom of priests is not Old Testament. It is New Testament. And not only is it New Testament, it's not just to the disciples. It's not, it's not some heavenly thing. Yes, we will be in heaven as a kingdom of priests, but it is an earthly thing, actually, that he's talking about. Amen. Because they didn't even understand a heavenly kingdom, really Old Testament. It wasn't even, we're not going to get into it, but there was, wasn't even heaven. It was Abraham's bosom. We don't quite understand all that. So what he was talking about was being representatives of God, ones that communed with God, had a relationship with God on the earth as his ambassadors, right? What is a priest? We're going to look at that now. What is a priest? A priest was one who stood in between the people and God. That's very simple. Very, very simple. They stood in between. And you could look at First uh, Peter, though, as, as well. Uh, I'll just mention quickly that First Peter calls us a chosen uh, people, calls us royal priests, the holy nation. Again, so it's not just John and Revelation, but also in Peter. Uh, but basically, these... Uh, if we look at the Old Testament, these men were called by God from the tribe of Levi to do what's called mediation. Everybody say mediation. And there it is in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm not going to read all of it, but you can look from on your own time from verse 4 through 11, and you'll find that he's talking about this theme of priesthood. But he says in verse 5, it says that we are his temple. So we are the temple, yes, we know that, and we've preached on that, you've read that, you know that, and we are his priests. So you, as the body, we're the body here, we are the temple, and we're the priests. We're both. The building has been done away with. The, the very religious, very hands-on physical part of the priesthood has been done away with, and the spiritual part of what it all was about has remained. Which is about is what? It was really just about God's presence being with people. I mean, very simply, it was just about being with God. And so you had a system in place, you had a building, so people could go to a place to meet God, and you had people in place to facilitate God's presence to the people. The building went away, the people went away. Now, I want to say again, there are positions and there are people that God has called fivefold ministry that maybe you will never step into in the same way that, like I am with the microphone. But God has called each and every one of us to stand in a position as priest. And we're going to look at that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Under the high priest. Christ is the high priest. And each and every person is called to be a priest. You know, not every priest, there was no microphones in the Old Testament. <laughs> there was no pulpit in that way, right? They couldn't even talk to the whole crowd at once. You know, we read about the whole crowd at once when maybe God spoke, but the way it would work is they would go into their communities, go into their tribes, 
And each, and then little by little, you know, the, the message got from the, from the high priest to the priest and into the junior priest and junior priest or whatever love, you know, hierarchy they had down to the people. And in the same way, it says here in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2, this is not too teachy, right? We're getting, are we getting into this? Are we getting this? Sometimes you have to teach, preach, because we need to understand, amen? God wants us to understand, because if we can understand, right, then a, a revelation, who's ever had a revelation from the Lord? And who's ever tried to describe it to somebody? <laughs> We're all laughing because we all understand, right? It all, it's so special and important to you, but you really can't describe it, right? You really can't. But the Lord has also uh, given us his word from Genesis to Revelation, and it is a revelation. The whole book is a revelation, not just the book of Revelation. Um, but... There is a way to understand, and I believe the Lord wants us to understand this today. So, amen. It's a revelation, but he's going to bring some understanding to it. And so it says in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 2, that through, let's just read this out loud, through the mediation, what's that word? Let's say that again, the mediation of Jesus Christ. You who offer spiritual sacrifices, does Christ? Yes, he did, but who offers them? You, that's us. We, through Christ, offer spiritual sacrifices to please God. Now, this word mediation, if you were to Google mediation, what comes up? Come on, Tamisha. What's going to come up? <laughs> Lawyers. That's right. You, you put in mediation, right? That's the process of figuring out something legally, right, between some parties, one, you know, two or more parties, Right? Mediation is to try to figure it out and bring some justice to whatever it is, right? Lawyers are going to come up as the advertisement when you Google mediation. So, mediation is Christ stood in the gap and he bridged back what God has been trying to do for thousands upon thousands of years. And he has, I'm going to tell you something, in 2023, God is still, all right? It's, we, we, we read about it there in Exodus. And we read about it again in Revelation 2023. If the Lord was to write a new book, he would say again today the same thing. I'm calling my people across the world, my people who call on my name. I don't want you to be identified merely as the word Christian. I'm, he's not, I'm not saying you are not Christians, and I'm not saying that's a bad word. But in the world today, it's become... A word, hasn't it? Right? It's become a lot of things to different people. Right? The world has their opinion. But even amongst us, it can just be, I'm a Christian. Right? It's so easy to say, I'm a Christian. Doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. But I can just be a Christian, and then you can really do anything you want and be anybody you want and still be a Christian today. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Right? But, but we think that's, that sounds normal, right? Sure. I'm a Christian, right? I'm this, but I'm also a Christian. Now, the concept of that is not evil, right? Because, again, I've already pointed out, and sorry, I'm, I'm really going like slow today, step by step. Is this, are we okay? I like to, you know, move a little bit more. Hopefully, you guys can distract with me, but I'm, I feel very systematic about this today. But as believers... The idea of what I'm just saying, you know, about you being anything and also being a Christian, 
The concept of that is not evil, right? Because I've already pointed out, you in your workplaces, you and your families, you're going to be doing kind of normal things, right? Somebody needed to put down this carpet and put up this ceiling and these lights and this building, right? Somebody had to do that job, and, and hopefully they were Christians, so they did it with some care, right? Because that's because Christians have the most care, right? Why are we laughing? <laughs> we should be the most. We should be the most diligent, right? We should put the most of effort into it than anybody else. We're laughing because it's like, wait a second, the Christians, I don't know that they're the best. But we should be. We should be. And that's my, my, my point is this. Yes, we're going to be doing normal things, all kinds of things on the earth that need to be done that don't seem spiritual. And, be, and also be Christians. But it's really the opposite. And this is what I want to get us today. We need to be believers. We need to be Christians and not merely the word, but Christ in who, who has to do something normal today. Not, I'm do, I'm do normal, and then I do Christian. Not us in this room, but many people do normal, and then they do Christian, don't they? I do the Christian thing once a year, right, on the holidays. Some Christians, they do the Christian thing all the holidays, not just the one time. But they, they man, they celebrate all of them. They love celebrating Lent. They don't celebrate anything else, but then all of a sudden, they're celebrating Lent. <laughs> because we're coming up on that, right? You're nodding because it's true, right? It could be the most heathens you ever met, but then Lent comes, and it's like, oh, I got to do this thing. We can do the Christian thing, right? And then we can do the Sunday thing. Make it to church every single Sunday. I live like hell from Sunday afternoon through Saturday evening. Come in with sunglasses on on Sunday morning. Some people do that. Some people even do the Sunday thing and the Bible study thing. And they still, there's still something missing. Because all we're doing is going through Christianese, Christian things, Christian motions, and God has called us to be priests. There is a higher call, there is a higher level, and what I've been preaching on uh, last week, and when I've preached on this before, and what I'm going to preach on again today is that it's not uh, really two levels of Christian, the, the Christian and the super-Christian. It should be literally, the church should be filled with really only three categories that I can figure out of people. One is unsaved, because unsaved should be coming in with us as well, right? They're not priests yet because they don't know him yet. Two, there should be priests. And the third category, which is kind of gray, could really just be two, but if we're going to make a third, is priest in training, I said last week. You, you're in between. I, I, I want to know Christ. I've already made the decision. I want to know him, so I'm not quite unsaved, but I'm not really walking in it yet, so I'm kind of maybe in an in-between place. But I'm, I want to know, and I want to learn, and I want to follow him, right? So maybe priest in training is, I could, is the only third category I can see. But there is no such thing as really Christian and super-Christian. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I'm, and I'm a good Christian, right? I'm a Christian, and I'm a Christian who serves in the church. There is no such thing. There is not the Christian and then the Christian who does all the work. 
And it's not about work. I'm not talking, again, this thing like right here, this is not work. But you get what I'm trying to say? But we have, humanly, we have separated like that, haven't we? We think of like the people who come in and they visit on Sundays, and then there's the people that work for God. And what I want to do, and what I've been trying to do, and what I believe it was the Lord's sermon for us in this church, is to break that wall down, break those barriers down. There is not the Christian and then the ones who work for God on Sundays or work for God during Bible studies. Or Each and every one of us is called by God. We are all equally. I am just as equal as each of you, and I know we know this, but I'm going to say it anyway, equal as each of you, not just to Christ and his love and his grace, we get those things, but in service and in work to God as well. I'm just maybe doing something different than you're going to do for him, but each of us are priests to the Lord. Amen. Are we getting this? And I don't, I don't want to uh, keep uh, going there. I just wanted to establish that, and I want to get here into some deeper things. I want to firstly, before I look at Hebrews, I just want us to understand what was a priest in the Old Testament. What did they do? Who were they? And I've already said that they came from the tribe of Levi, right? Who knows your Bible history? And then just because you are a Levite didn't mean you are a priest, but all Levites were separated. And then out of them was a priestly order. There was, there was families of priests out of the Levites. And basically they had three main jobs. And I can just say firstly was that it was personal. Everybody say it was personal. They were called to remain holy. Let's just say that, let's say that out loud. Remain holy. Now, we think of this holy as a holy word, don't we? Kind of an oxymoron. Holy is holy. We think of it as being quiet, you know, not running around in church, even though I don't think we should be running around in church. But that's not the definition of holy. It's not being still. It's not being peaceful. It's not incense going, Right? It's not this pulpit. It's not this building. It simply means to be separated. It means that the world is working within its own parameters, right? Like I said, somebody had to put these lights in. But the guy who's putting those lights in without Christ, all he's doing is like, I just got to do a job so I can get drunk tonight. Right? That's the world. Right? We're laughing because we all, we either been there <laughs> or you know that that's how it works. I want to just get to the weekend so I can enjoy myself to have to do it all over again. But in Christ, right, we understand that these things need to be done, but we have our eyes set on something greater. We just kind of do these things, right? We just, you just do it because it's a, it's a means to an end, but our eyes are on a greater picture of eternity, on Christ, on people, etc., right? Amen. And then you do all these th type of things, like putting lights in. You do it with the best you can, only because you realize, now, I'm not even serving a boss or this place, but I'm serving God. Amen. So, really, they were just called to be set apart, to be in the world, but not of the world. That I'm in it, just like you are. We're both doing the same job, but my purpose is not for self-gratification, but to gratify the Lord. Very, very simply. The second thing that they were called to do was care for his temple. All right, I'm not going to get fully, you know, like deep, deep into it, but uh, they had to take care of the sacrifices, 
and uh, they were they literally when this when the sacrifice was done, they took the blood and they applied it to the altar, and they had to keep the house purified, keep the bread right. I'm just just very very quickly some some Old Testament Bible history right. Keep the show bread fresh right. Keep the 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 lights lit right. These type of things, and, and we could get deeper, but we're not going to take care of the temple. And then third was that they were to teach or help people access God. Very simply, a priest was to be holy, care for the Lord's temple, and get people into the Lord's presence. And ultimately, that's simple. But on a deeper level, we could say, and, they, and they, I think they certainly ended up getting into it, looking at it like a job. And even, you know, even New Testament, remember the Mary and Martha, Martha story? You know, this doesn't go away. You can end up serving God like a job. You can end up making Sunday Bible studies, whatever your level of serving Christ is, you know, serving people, loving people, giving food, whatever it is. It can just become menial, it become a job, right? Remember Martha said, Mary's sitting in Christ, sitting in his presence, and things need to get done, but she's like, Lord, so you're just sitting there in your presence, and I'm doing all the work. And the Lord does not chastise Mary, right? Doesn't necessarily fully chastise Martha, but says, this is the greater. You know, these things, I know what you're doing is important, but my presence is what it's about. And this is what I want to say. The priest could look at it like it's just a job. I just need to, I need to love God. I need to spend time with him. I need to, I need to worship him on Sundays. I need to get my Bible study my devotion time done, and I need to go witness, I need to be a good witness to people, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And in simplicity, you know, if you were to write it down on paper, it could look like that, couldn't it? Right? And that's what religion is. Really, religion is just taking what is supposed to be personal and intimate and special and a relationship between you and God and making it menial Make, you're going through the same exact motions, but without the heart of God. And what we need to realize is, is that there was something greater. It wasn't just caring, caring for the temple. And it wasn't just that people need to, this, this, to get to God, because God will use you to get people to God, and you won't even have, your heart's not even right. Don't judge, don't ever judge, don't ever judge your relationship with God by what he's doing through your life. That's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Because God loves that person just as much as he loves you, and you'll use, he'll use you even though you're wrong. And, and I think I might get into it next week, so, but don't quote me that I want to look at Eli and his priesthood. Because God loves people so much that he will use you, but really... There's some things inside you that you still need to deal with. And I, this is what ends up happening. It becomes just a job. Eli is one example. And what happens? Eventually, God has to deal with them, right? But what they missed, and this is what I want us to get, is that the glory of God dwells in the temple. If you get a revelation of that, the whole thing about being a priest to God you will go through the same exact motions as a job. In other words, I know that my prayer time is important. Sometimes I do it like it's a job. 
And I'm not saying I don't want to pray, but sometimes I do it because I know I need to. Sometimes. But when you have a revelation that you car- you're carrying, because remember, we looked at it in Peter. Let's go New Testament now. We are the temple and the priest. That's why when you read something Old Testament or teach something Old Testament, you really need to merge them together. You can't look at the old without looking through the lens of the new. All right, so New Testament, that means that the glory of God is in here. Everybody just point to your own chest, your own heart. And I just want you to say it out loud. This is where the glory of God dwells. And I'm, second, second, ready? And I'm a priest to that glory. And this is what we must get. We carry the glory of God around. And now, what could be menial, what could just be religion, it's become so special, and it becomes so important to you because you realize it is God's very presence that I'm caring for. And then the second part, really, of the priesthood, which is one, care for themselves, and, and I would say the temple and themselves are, are really one. I said three points, and well, let's just say that's just really one point, because you really can't serve in the temple unless you deal with you. So you dealing and serving with God is really one thing, because the second thing that comes out of us is then bringing people to the Lord. But if we get this right, if we will let the Lord work in us, which is caring for the temple simultaneously, and I've said this so many times like a broken record, and I'm saying it to myself as well, you will not need to try to teach Christ to those around you. There will be no work involved in you bringing the light of Christ to the world, because if you are light... Come on, I'm saying it within itself. The statement is defining itself. If you are light, then you don't need to try to be light. If you are light, you don't need to present light. Who has been in a really good place with the Lord, a very special place? You've been dealing with the Lord. You've been repenting constantly. God's dealing with you, and you just want to love him. You're in a place of worship, and people approach you. You don't even approach them, and they might even approach you Right, Rick? Sometimes with. It almost seems aggressive. But really, because they're dealing with themselves. They're actually conflicted, and they're, they're actually uh, convicted. So it almost seems like attacking, but you're like, why are you attacking me? Like, out of nowhere. But it's because they're seeing something happening in you, and they know it's what they need. But the flesh in all of us is warring. That's their own deal, but now it's coming out against you. And the point is because you got this thing right, that you're not just a Christian. Because anybody could just be a Christian, and no one knows who you are. But when we realize we're not just the name Christian, but we are priests of the Lord God, which simply means that I'm in his presence. Let's just let's apply it in New Testament now. I am doing what I need to do, which could look menial, but it's not. Because I have learned, I have realized that the glory of God, he said, I will dwell in you. So when I realized the seriousness of that, and that's really why I pointed out Nadab and Abihu last week. What I wanted us to see is that it's not that God is harsh and God is mean, right? They, they mishandled the presence of God and God killed them. It says strange fire. I don't, we don't know quite how it worked, but something was mishandled. Something fleshy, something not God. And God killed them. And what I, I, I don't want us to be like, man, the Old Testament God is mean. 
because there's no such thing. Come on, I want you to say it out loud. There is no Old Testament God. There is only God. We just have Christ in between. Thank you, Lord. I talked about his grace. Thank God for his grace in between. But he's still the same God, and he still has the same level of desire and seriousness for us to walk in a particular way. And I think that that's just, I mean, when, when you get that, it's a revelation. But what happens is we walk with him, we're spending time with him, we're in the, this presence of God, and we're caring for the glory of God within us, right? And we're having this very intimate, this is the relationship that we are always talking about in Christianity, but never fully getting into. But I know we in this church are, but we, we say, oh, the difference about our, rela- our religion is its relationship, but then we don't have one. But I know we do. I know we do in this church. And what happens is, is in that place, right, there, there is something that just ends up coming out of us naturally, and the world sees it, right? Like I said, don't judge the way that they approach you, but you need to know that if you get those things right, then the temple, the lights are on. Amen? I said I was going to get to Hebrews. I, I knew it would be hard for me to get to Hebrews. I knew it. But we have a few minutes here. I want to say this. This is the Old Testament system, and I've already been making some New Testament points, but uh, bringing it together already before we even look at the book of Hebrews. But um, I want to say that there were Old Testament priests, and if they really got it right, I mean, the presence of God was there. The presence of God says... It said it when Solomon prayed, right? I mean, the glory of God came down in a, in a mighty, miraculous way. Even in a religious system, if you could get it right, God wants to be there with his people. There are many religious forms of Christianity that God is still there. Again, because he loves people. Doesn't mean that the system is the way he wants. See, sometimes we're like, man, that system's not God. And I'm not saying you can't think that in your mind. But maybe we shouldn't attack the system itself, the systems of Christianity, so much. Because there's people in every single one of those buildings that we need to be pleading for and calling for God's presence, right, to have a a very intimate, special thing happen. And he is. I've seen it. Who has seen it? Maybe it's a religious system that you've been broken from, but God has used them, right, for others. Because he loves them. Doesn't mean that's his best way to be religious, but the point is that they got things right and God's presence was there. I want to say this, and I want you to say it out loud with me. We are priests of a better covenant with a greater high priest. Amen. So let's just quickly look at the book of Hebrews here, and I'm going to try to breeze as best I can. I will cut off, I promise. When we hit the time, I will cut off, and we'll pick it back up. But I just want to breeze into this as best we can. The book of Hebrews chapter 3, let's look here in verse 1. It just says simply, think carefully about this Jesus. And I think this is so important. The reason I included this is think carefully. I said last week, I'm going to say it again, when we become Christians, I don't believe we should make it so easy. (laughs) That sounds funny. You're like, what? We should present the gospel with simplicity. But we should tell the whole story, right? You don't want to be tricked. Who likes being tricked? 
Sometimes we feel tricked, right? When we walk further and further with Christ, sometimes we could feel like we're tricked because it's harder than we expected. We haven't been tricked. But my point is that you don't want to say to somebody, here's a free car. Remember back in the old days, my dad used to, we'd be watching like uh, Jeopardy or, I mean, I guess Wheel of Fortune, something like that, something where you could win a car. And the only, my dad would not get excited that they won a car. He goes, you know they have to pay the taxes on that car. That's all my dad would say. So you win a car, but then you got to shell out $4,000 for something that, you know, was fun to win, but you still got to come up with money that you probably don't have. That was the one point. It was never, he could never get excited that they want a car. You want a car? He's like, they got to pay the taxes on that thing. <laughs> if you know my dad, that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to be tricked. You don't want to say, here's Christ. It's so easy. He's free. Just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Jesus, I want you. And then the taxes are going to come. Because taxes do come. Let's just tell them about the taxes at the, beforehand. Listen, you agree, you're going to pay the taxes. I mean, who, come on, who would ever want it another way? Anybody want to give Christ back? Come on. I'm just saying that we should tell the whole gospel, which is that we have committed. I, I, you know what? I'm just going to read it. I, I said I was going to get into Hebrews and I, and I said it was too much to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to do it, so I think the Lord's already answering me. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it in a different way. I've got to read this verse. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you have been called to live in freedom. Who loves the freedom of Christ? It says, uh, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We need to realize this. When I said yes to Christ, he took care of all the hard stuff, like sin that led to death and hell. Kind of a big deal. And all we have to do is the easy stuff. Just serve him. You're like, well, I, said it, I thought it was free. I thought you didn't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. He already did it. All I'm doing is accessing it, and we're going to get into all that. But amen? I'm just, I've been called, when you come to Christ, there is, if you look at the entire gospel and not just picking out verses that feel good and sound good, right? You know, we can make anything. It can make any gospel. I could make the, I could take verses and, and get up here and preach. That's why you should read and check on your own. But I could make some really funny gospels with verses. Let's look at the whole gospel as a whole, which is this. When I said yes to Christ, I decided I want your salvation. My part is I am going to enter the service of the Lord. That's what you did. There is, you are a kingdom of priests. There is no outside. There is no people. There is not just the Levite, but it is a Levite that is separated as a priest. You entered into the service of the Lord. We, sh we should realize this. It's important that we understand, because otherwise, what happens? God starts dealing with us, and we get confused. I thought we didn't have to get in. I thought this was going to be easy. I was told this would be the best life now. That's not a lie. It is, isn't it? Who, 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 come on, who can testify it is your best life now? It is. It's just not as easy, maybe, as you thought it would be. 
but it's worth it because God's dealing with us again because because his glory he has to deal with us because he wants to put his glory in us and there's others that the only way they're going to see him is through that now you realize why it's hard sometimes it's not because he's trying to be harsh but because you realize the seriousness of what it is that you are and who you are and what you're carrying and that you are the only light that anybody else is gonna maybe gonna see that's why you can't have it mixed and you think, man, he's just so harsh. He keeps dealing with me and dealing with me. Yet, yeah, because first of all, it's killing you. But second of all, it's killing the message that's coming out of you. Amen. And I feel like it was important to do that. So Hebrews, he, says, he just says, he says, you need to, to stop and you need to think. I want you to think about this, Jesus. And then I'm just going to just preach it a different way. So I'm not going to read every single verse. But he says, you know, Moses, Old Testament, he was great. Cool. Remember Moses? Yeah. Remember, because they argue with Jesus about Moses? But Moses was a, a great man of God. In fact, he was a friend of God. In fact, I mean, you could really, man, this guy, Moses, the Lord got pretty serious when they messed with Moses, right? They thought, oh, we're just like him. And the Lord kills some other people because <laughs> they thought they were the same as Moses. But it says that Christ, you know, that was great because he was caring for the house, and he, was, he says, but it was just an illustration. Christ is the house. Old Testament picture, awesome. New Testament, it's all coming, the fullness of what God was trying to do. Now we're getting it. Hebrews chapter 4, he goes in and he says this. He says, we've got a high priest who understands our weaknesses. Amen. Everything the priest did in the temple was working for, you think that they work for God, but they did, but they didn't. Their boss was the high priest. Everybody say, my boss is the high priest. The high priest worked for God, and the other priest, the, the regular priest, if we're going to call them that, they worked for the high priest, who in, you know, you are essentially working for God, but you're working for him. He's getting the message from God. He's getting the heart of God. We're going to move here. We're going to do this. This is, this is what's going to happen. And, and that was in the when we're talking about Moses, the original tabernacle. It came through Moses. He was involved in this system. He was the family of the high priest as well. His brother Aaron, right? But we have Christ who understands our weaknesses as he faced all the same testings. And this is what it says, verse 16. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, because there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And what the Bible says here in Hebrews is, is that you are a priest. We've already established that for the whole sermon again. But that there is a high priest who stands between you and God, and this is why fire does not strike out and kill you when you make a mistake. Thank God. But it does not change, and I want to say this again. This is for the third time, last week and twice this week. It does not change the seriousness of who God is. It should sober us. Everybody say sober, right? So when something sobers you, right? We realize the seriousness of it. 
And we live in that grace, we savor that grace, but we must realize that God is still God, and that the only reason now is because there's not a man in between, but Christ himself is in between us. And you could go through Hebrews, you can get into chapter 5, it says in verse 8, I mean, you can go through this on your own, but really just the whole book, but especially from 3 through 12, 3 through 13, talks about this priesthood of Christ being the high priest. But this is what it says. It says, verse 8, Jesus was God's Son, and He learned obedience from the things He suffered. It says that the high priest—come on, who are we working for? I just said it. Who are we working for? The high priest— It says, the high priest, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Verse 9, in this way God qualified him as a high priest and became the source of eternal salvation for who? For all those who obey him. So Jesus, the high priest, obeyed God. We have established, right, from Revelation from the book of Peter, right? From the book of Exodus, we are priests. Well, let's not just assume what that means. Let's look at it Old Testament through the New Testament lens. That means I got to look at it through Christ. I have to look at it through like Hebrews and say, okay, what does that mean? It means that Christ obeyed the Father. That means that as a priest, I must walk in the same obedience that Jesus did which includes what? What we don't like and don't want to talk about, right? It's taboo, which is suffering. But we realize that the suffering that God did to the Son, it says God, it pleased God. Why? Because God wanted to see suffering? Of course not. God is not sadistic, but because there was a purpose through it. Amen. And I think I've already established that, that we already made that point. The reason he's dealing with us and you feel like you're suffering sometimes so harshly, is because of the seriousness of who you are, of what you're carrying, what's inside you, and the light that needs to come out of you. Amen. Praise God. We're going to get more into this, but you just keep going. You can look at Hebrews 6 and 7, 8. really comes together in chapter 9, where he starts really just talking about Jesus being this perfect high priest. And then he brings it all together from chapter 3 to chapter 12. And he says, I want you to realize something, though. This is not just Moses in a mountain. That's what he says in chapter 12. He says in chapter 12 that Moses was so frightened by the presence of God. He says, this is not a mountain, and this is not Moses, and this is not an Old Testament priesthood. But he says, I'm just going to read this last verse. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. And you have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect In verse 24 of chapter 12, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of the crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Verse 25, be careful 
that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we certainly will not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. And verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. The old uh, New King James, it says, let us by grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So what the Bible says is that, and I established priest, what a priest is, Old Testament, but you need to realize that if you thought, he's basically saying here, he's summing up Hebrew saying, if you thought it was scary when we talked about God in the Old Testament, Moses was afraid of this God, but the God that we have access to directly, we don't have a man in between, we, go, we have literally only Christ in between the Father. And what he's establishing is just how serious and what a heavy, like how big of a deal this is, and then tells us what, what I've been saying this whole sermon all along, is that we are called to serve God. That's it. We're called to serve him with reverence and fear. It's just an amazing thing that we have in Christ. It is an amazing call that we have. It is not a happy meal gospel. It is simple. I think you, I could preach the same, the same sermon to the children, and they'll get it. You know why? Because it, it's not just words. It is spirit. It is that simple. And we come to Christ that simply. It is simple as the cry, that, the cry to Christ that I need you with salvation before you even finished uttering it. But the fullness of the gospel is a service to him. It is a complete and total, utter devotion to him. And I would not be a preacher that I could stand before the Lord and say, and hear, well done, if I didn't tell you the fullness of the gospel. Not, you are not merely a Christian, but you are set apart. You are not trying to be holy. God has made you holy. We stay se separated and devoted to him. That keeps us, doesn't it? Amen. Praise God. We just thank you, Lord, for this sermon, and I pray you plant it down in our hearts, Lord, deep in us, like good seed and good ground, Lord, that will produce fruit in Jesus' name. Amen.